Hey everybody! It's the, intense, it's the intense amount of troubleshooting we've already done. Hey everybody! Welcome to Bookstabber. I'm Willow Payne, and I'm Gene Ambaum, and together we make library comic and yes. uh, do do some other stuff like this podcast. <laughs> Bookstabber. That is, that is the other thing we do, and many projects that will never see the light of day. Well, it may see the light of day. Hopefully, we, we shall. Time will tell, as as my grandmother used to say. You know what my grandmother did not used to say. She didn't say, God, I wish I had a book right here in front of me about little little babies dying. <laughs> Is that... <laughs> so... <laughs> so let's well, talk about... That's pain, that's... <laughs> We've, we've got two books to talk about today, one of which I read well, by myself with the intent of talking about it on this podcast with Gene. Well, we had, we, had, we, had, we, had a, we had a discussion where we I said, just you just pick a book we should read together, Willow, and I'll see yes. if I can get a hold of it. And then I, you picked. I wanted to find a good book. That was my first mistake, was the hubris, like Odysseus, thinking that he was greater than mighty Poseidon. My mistake was thinking that I could just find a good book in the wild. What I did, dear listener, was that I pulled up a list. I I thought, uh, let's read a horror book together because we've done fantasy. We've done some science fiction. We've done some literature, uh, literary fiction, whatever you want to call it. So I thought I will find a horror book and I will do so by Googling award-winning horror, you know, 2019, pre-pandemic something. That would be nice. Okay. Uh, so I found this book that won both the Bram Stoker Award and the Locust Award, and it is called The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Uh, now, so Gene has not read this book. Well, well I, I, think, I think what's important to say is all I told you was I'll read anything except for a book that has uh, a woman in captivity. I don't really like reading those books. And I think your response was, that's a genre? And I said, <laughs> I said Look, it's kind of a genre. I said, I have a friend that she reads almost exclusively those kinds of books uh and i think it's worth pointing (laughs) and so i went into this book blind i just saw that it was award-winning and i thought that's good enough for me so it's a very short book i'll say that uh here's my my non-cynical book pitch is that this is a relatively short book about uh a married couple gay married couple who and their adopted daughter who are on vacation in new hampshire and then four strangers show up and demand that one of them have to be sacrificed to prevent the apocalypse. And that is, not only is that uh, the, the elevator pitch for the book, that's also the entirety of the book. <laughs> are, are, are the, is the couple, are they men? Are they women? They're, they're men. Okay. Uh, Steve and Eric, I believe, are their names. And if you're, if you're interested in like, hey, this book only has seven characters in it, I bet they must be like really well-developed, interesting characters. They're not. That's don't worry about that. They're basically the same person. Oh, the difference. Oh. The difference is that one of them is vaguely Catholic in a way that mattered to the author, and the other one is definitely not Catholic. That's it. That's the difference. I, I can't. I, I have no comeback except for to say that Stephen King loved this book, and it. Had I know. I was. School. I was perplexed to discover that Stephen King loved this book as well. It has many starred reviews and a lot of praise, and it won awards. And I just want to let everybody know 
I believe this book is better than what Willow is saying. <laughs> I, no, I think I think this one. I I know that you have a profound love for book. Any book that come your way, it's like a cat. You're like such a soft, beautiful cat. I will love you, cat, forever. Oh, that's, that's not true, that's, though. It's not. That's true. my reaction to cats. But I feel like that's how you are with books because I've never seen you get angry at a book. I, but this book might actually get you angry if if, if well, only like, for it, it, its it, content. It, it's, it sounds so close to Woman Trapped in a Room that I was like, did you pick something that's just like right adjacent to what I didn't want to read? That, that was my immediate thought when you when sent me this. Well, they, are, think, they think, are trapped, but they're only trapped for over the course of like three days, which I don't know if is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that is of the same timeline as what... Like, there's... Uh, was, was the movie Room based on a book? Yes. Okay, so I, in that book you know she's trapped in there for actual years right because she raises a child right right this one's it's only three days that's not a lot of captivity you know oh, it's 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 kind of too much for me i, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> like, like i just maybe, maybe it's wrong to say i don't want to read i don't want to read like a uh, woman trapped in a room i just don't like reading about captivity in general although you know i think i think there would be some exceptions but like like a horror novel in, set in captivity or a literary novel set in captivity oh so well, not well yeah so so i'm i have a lot of problems with these genre classifications as i've as i've said before this this book is not scary first of all it's stupid and it might make you mad because oh. because dumb things happen in it but it is not scary nothing i wouldn't say anything really horrifying happens um, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't play into that fear of being at a cabin in the woods and then like you're wondering like if strangers are out there lurking in the dark it doesn't play into that for you at all well no because that's not what happens the, the the strangers show up within the first like 30 pages and they're just like hey we're coming into your cabin and they're really friendly about it and the the other characters are correctly like no we don't want you to come into the cabin but then they come in immediately like there's no sense it's not like a horror movie that this is thing if this was a horror movie it would be one of those really bad a24 movies and i say that as someone who likes a lot of the a24 movies this is one of the really bad ones where nothing happens everyone is just staring at each other the whole time there's a lot of beautiful cinematography going on which is not true of the book in which the the equivalent would be i guess just description of things which is is not good in my opinion <laughs> I, I i realize the a24 question to ask is which character would call in feral play <laughs> that's a good point uh he would unfair? definitely be no he would he would definitely be uh one of the two dads okay but and, and you know what if he were playing it maybe it would be good because he's he's a good enough actor he's so great but, so much fun uh, to watch. he is i love i love the lobster have you seen the lobster I love the lobster too, Willow. I can't believe you love the lo- lobster. Really? <sighs> the lobster is great. Yes. I would think you would hate the lobster. Oh, I love no, the lobster so be, much. We should be watching the lobster right now. What are we doing talking about this awful book? Um, <laughs> what, wait, wait, wait. What, in in the movie The Lobster, real quick. Why does he have to get turned into a lobster? Why is he Why is he being turned into something else? I can't remember what he did. It's because uh, Earth is now overpopulated by humans. I well. N- I think there's a couple of reasons. I, no, Earth isn't being overpopulated by humans, but for some reason, just animals are dying out. And this is just sort of a weird... It, 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 we're not meant to take it as like good science fiction. This is just a series of bizarre what-ifs engineered to increase your anxiety, right? Fair enough. 
So if you if you are single by the age of what is it forty, you that's it that's it then you get turned into an animal. Right, but you get to choose what kind of animal that you spend the rest of your life as. And then you go to the love- bizarre hotel for a long time and just wait. Well, that's yeah, that's if you are uncoupled by that age. And I appreciate that in that film, uh, like they'll they're happy if you're a gay couple. Like they don't actually need you to procreate. That's not relevant. They just. Right. It's just a, it's just about whether or not you have succeeded as a human in some degree. I think is what the the message of that is is that the this weird 1984 world where this Logan's Run where they force you to be in a relationship for, the relationship that will last you to the end of your life by age 40. I, I want to tell you it, it's so strange to have hear you talking about something you you enjoyed that I enjoyed. <laughs> I don't know what to do right now. I don't know what I, to say. <laughs> I'm also pretty perplexed by it. I can't remember the last time we both just liked something wholeheartedly. I would not have put money on the lobster. Okay. But now I'm curious, what did you like about it? You know, this book is terrible. You shouldn't read it. Let's just talk about the lobster for 40 minutes. Great movie. No, 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 no. We we got like like two minutes on the lobster. Then we have to talk about the other book. But uh, I just just like the sustained like mood of that film so much it just it just sits there and you're like this ha- something has to happen and it's just it's just it's just exactly what it's supposed to be it's so weird yeah it's so weird and so funny um it's yeah I, I just yeah i i it, it it's it's kind of like what you love or what i love about um an indie comic that somebody has drawn that's not like the most beautiful thing and it's not like the most action-packed thing but it's just so much itself that that it's I get enjoyable that, yeah yeah I, I have this thing I used to get mad at a lot of indie comics but there's this I've, I've recently gone through this weird phenomenon where I'll be at uh, a local bookstore of mine and I'll just find some anthology of comics and I'm not I'm not reading any of them but I'm just admiring them from a distance just flipping through the pages being like yes comics are good comics make life better we should all have comics but I imagine if I were to actually sit and read them I would be like uh why did you why did you waste the time it takes to make 20 pages on this story? This is a dumb story. This is interesting. Maybe you pay too much attention to things. Like, like, like maybe, maybe my thing is like, I have realized that everything, well, n- not everything, but, but a lot of things, there's some level of attention I can pay to it that, that I feel like it pays off enough to, to invest that level of attention. So some books I read while I'm watching TV. Do you know what I mean? I can't. I, I can do other things while watching TV, but I don't think I could actually read a book while watching TV. Well, it's got it's got to have a particularly like unengaging TV show and a particularly unengaging uh, book, right? Just that you have does, to be able to flip back seem, and forth. Right, but if if you're able to do it by virtue of the fact that both items are unengaging, I would say that not that that book wasn't worth reading to begin with. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes okay. I'm just not in the mood for one or the other, so I switch. I switch back and forth, kind of like like the perfect thing is a, a book of comic strips, where when the when the film flags or the TV show flags, you can look down. You have you have three or four second read, and then you can look back up and see if it's engaged again. This feels this feels a lot like how older generations critique young people over like how dare you look at your phone while we're watching a movie? You can't just concentrate on one thing, and here you are. <laughs> Well, but I, I think I think looking at your phone while somebody's watching a movie, it, it's it's bright. If it wasn't bright, I wouldn't care. But you're taking me out of the movie because you're taking like the glow distracts me. Well, I don't you know? mean in a movie. I don't mean in a in a theater proper. I just mean like in your living room. Well, even in my house, though, if if, if members of my family like are 
looking at their phones and we've turned the lights down and turned on the sound bar you know what i mean and we're, and we're, we're into the movie like like it kind of ruins like 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 leave the room that's fine sure don't, i don't, don't have that um i don't have that theater set up at, at the places that i live <laughs> well it's, you... it's not much of a theater set up here but but when you visit when you visit we will uh we will watch a movie all right i will dis- <laughs> i will discover that you live in total darkness like cave people <laughs> that's right well there is there is a room of total darkness okay so <laughs> so so you, you basically like i'm i'm getting ready to read the cabin at the end of the woods and then and then you're like <laughs> stop don't read this book <laughs> no i didn't say that i i gave you trigger warnings as to the actual events that happen in the book and I said, this might make you not want to read it, based on my, my knowing you. A bad... Well, you're, and you were dead on. You were dead on. I think there's no reason to spoil it, like you spoiled it for me in those in those texts. But Well, I'll say, yeah. trigger warning, violence to children, uh, you're not going to like that, folks. And, okay, so this is maybe my biggest problem with the book. I, and it's also just a, a exercise in stupidity, but... I, I am of the opinion this book isn't really about anything. I don't think this book has a thesis statement. I think it's meant to just be... I, I think the author means to instill you with some kind of overall sense of dread, like a cosmic horror that, oh no, mm-hmm. th- there is a god and god sucks and god's just a jerk who doesn't who does things that don't make sense, which, like, that's fine. You know, it's th- there's clearly some parallels to uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac, I think, from the premise of the story. Okay, but like he doesn't. This author, Paul Tremblay, I haven't read any of his other stuff. He doesn't do anything with that. And then on top of that, a lot of this book. This is not a small amount of this book. A whole lot of this book is devoted to the the two gay dads, the the main characters, are getting mad at these cultists, being like, "You're you're trying to kill us because you're homophobic." And the whole time they're just like, "No, no, we're not homophobic." We, we love gay people. It's not our fault that God told us to, that one of you has to die. That's, like, we're really sorry about that. We wish it wasn't happening. But please don't assume we're homophobic. And then the, the gay dads are just like, no, you are homophobic. And you wouldn't be here otherwise. And, like, that, it really feels like that 60% of the book is just that conversation happening over and over. Interesting. To the point that I don't understand what the author was thinking. Like, is this book about homophobia? If it is, it doesn't have anything interesting to say on it. It's not that homophobia is an insidious disease that twists the heart of normal men. Like, that's not the message. The message is that God is accidentally a homophobe. Like, it doesn't... I don't get it. Like, like... Well, I think here's the, here's the bookstabber challenge, is to, to suggest a horror novel that Willow will enjoy. Sure. A horror novel. Let's... Email us at, email us at bookstabberpodcast.gmail.com with a short pitch. <laughs> we may use your suggestion. Please. Please. <laughs> but uh that is not the only book that we have to talk about here no 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 and, and so uh no the other book we were going to talk about today which we both read um was a.s king's please ignore vera Dietz, uh which is an older book by a.s yes. king and i have to i have to say um the reason so i let you pick the book by a.s king but i said i've always wanted to read one and i never had and um the reason i wanted to read one is i've heard how fabulous they are i have friends who are YA librarians mostly who love A.S. King's books. But last year, uh, just before the pandemic closed everything down, I was in a bookstore in Seattle. Um, I went to an Andrew Smith reading, 
Uh, he's a YA author. He wrote uh, Grasshopper Jungle and Winger and a bunch of other books, and he's fantastic. And almost everybody in the audience were YA authors or budding YA authors, uh, and then me. And uh, Andrew Smith, in talking, he talked about uh, his friend A.S. King, and uh, he mentioned her, and I think I think she had helped him with his most recent book a little bit, and they kind of bounce ideas off each other. And it sounds like they talk all the time, and he just made her sound that much more compelling to me. And so I really, really wanted to read a book by her, which I haven't yet, even though I have several in my house. And so I said, Willow, you pick one. And you picked, please ignore Vera Dietz. Why did you pick this book? You know, this was like three weeks ago now. I have read, I have read three books since I've read this one. I've mm-hmm. read a lot of books in the, in the past uh, couple weeks. And so I'm not sure if there was a specific reason. I think the actual reason isn't exciting. I think it was because that one was available to me as an audiobook off Libby, so I didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah, that's great. I think I think it's her second book, so it's a bit older, right? What from like 2011, maybe? Is yeah, what let, I'm calling. I think that is the time it came out, which I, is going to be a point of conversation in my my review of this book. <laughs> the, okay. the the time in which it exists kind of fascinates me. Okay, but, uh, I mean, I mean, that's interesting. Let, let, let's let's give a pitch for it. Like, you can correct my pitch at some point. Um, sure. There was a there was a quote where uh, Vera Dietz, the main character, is talking to her dad, that I think had a lot of the book in it. So I'm just going to read that quote for a moment, and then I'll talk about it. But uh, she's talking to her dad, and she says, "This is later in the book. Uh, it's kind of, it's a bit of a summary, but it's 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 a good one, I think." She says, "It's my senior year, and I still have no idea what I want to do with my life. I'm motherless, and in the last year, I lost my best friend twice." fell in love with a guy I shouldn't have twice, got beat up by a skinhead Nazi, and had things thrown at me, including beer cans, money, and dog shit. Now, if you read me that, I'm in. I don't know why I'm in. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely in. Uh, there's a lot there. Uh, basically, Vera and her best friend Charlie kind of had a friend breakup, a friend dumping, uh, and then he died. Uh, and he died after, he started, after Charlie started dating this horrible young woman. Uh, and Charlie lived next door to Vera with his parents... And so Vera was kind of a witness to the whole thing. Um, The girl Charlie was involved with is kind of like this very manipulative young woman uh, named Jenny. She hangs out in detention all the time with with people that could kindly be described as losers, I think. Uh, And anyway, that's very not good. There's a mystery of how Charlie died and what happened. And Vera knows more than she's telling us and telling anyone else. And then the other side is Vera kind of, this is all post-Charlie's death. It starts with his funeral. Uh, the other side is that Vera is working at a pizza place. Uh, she's kind of in love with another guy, James, who works there. He's 23. Vera's, I think she's 18, 17. Willa, how old is uh, Vera? Vera? Vera is 18 years old. She is an adult. She's, she's 18, but she knows that James, is, is who's a college dropout, is a little too old for her. And it's kind of weird that he seems to be into her. Um, but that kind of develops. And I don't know, like like like... The other part of the pitch for this book that I would say is there's a lot of uh, kind of SAT level vocabulary in here. It kind of almost makes fun of of YA books that try to include large vocabulary as part of the pitch uh, for getting kids I, to drink it. It's, it's full of swearing and drinking. Uh, there's a pagoda I, I in a small that, town. Can I take that tangent though about the SAT words? Because so the, I I think this is coincidence, but so it was present in this book. It was actually a little bit present in. The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay, where the seven-year-old girl is learning uh, vocab words off a calendar every day. And then it was also an element in uh, one of the last books we read, uh, When We Were Vikings. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am I am a little bit sick of this uh, 
he was ostentatious, a word which here means, you know, such and such. And, you know, I thought that was very clever when I read it when I was 12 and I was given a Lemony Snicket book for the first time. And now it feels like I can't escape it in literally any form of fiction between two, uh, between a literary fiction, a horror book, and a YA book. The YA book is the only place where I think it's actually defensible to... Well, there's a funny thread that links books together that we've read <laughs> that, like, that, I mean, arguably, like, this is probably the only time A.S. King does this, you know? And it's not A.S. King's fault that we've, that it's the third book in a row that's kind of made use of this to some extent, but... It just it just seems like if 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 a random sampling of books all churn up this same uh, detail, mm-hmm. that, then I from a statistical point of view, it must be even more widespread, right? There must be hundreds of books out right now doing I, this. I, I, I think I think it is it is widespread, and some books are really obvious about it and just unconscionable, and some books it works kind of organically, and in this book, I think it works very organically. Um, you're sure, studying for was... vocab tests and kind of kind of making sentences out of things, and it's it's kind of funny, right? It's, I, it, it's it was really fine. expression of her character. Yeah. Um, I, the only other thing I would say is there's a pagoda in the town that also is included in the narration. Like the narration skips around. Uh, it's mostly narrated by Vera in very small chunks. It's somewhat narrated by Charlie by Charlie's ghost. Charlie haunts Vera a little bit. Uh, there's short sections of her dad's voice as well, and then there's short sections where the pagoda actually chimes in. The pagoda that's near the mall in this town where everybody goes to make out. Right, um, and the pag- I, the pagoda is weirdly political. Let's. <laughs> it has it, it has is. some weird things to say. It is. I I like like this book does a few few things I love in YA novels. Like one of the things I love is that um, like like structurally it's it's pretty good at withholding a secret that the narrator holds holds back from us and it doesn't feel like cheating. Like I, I think it, I think it handles that kind of brilliantly. Like like of her not dealing with what she knows and her not telling us. Like the point of view is just it's just omniscient enough, just just enough in her head to be interesting. Um, I like the short chunks as well. I like the different characters. I like the I like the the balance of seriousness and ridiculousness in this book. And I love the writing. So the, that is my pitch for it. Yeah, and it's dark. It's so it's so dark. Like like their family lives are both very dark. And as an adult reading it, uh, as a 50-year-old as a dude reading it, I, I so rooted for her dad, who I realized in the book is so much younger than me. <laughs> that I was like, because he and, he and Vera's mom, who's gone, Vera's mom has, has fled the scene. Um, he's just trying to raise Vera as best he can. And his, his giant fear is that she becomes an alcoholic uh, like he is. And he's, right. he's a recovering alcoholic. But, um, oh, there, there's, so much, there's so much good stuff in here uh, with the dad, who's just developed enough as a character for me to love so i want to talk about the timeline because this book i think purports kind of a confusing timeline Mm -hmm. so if if this book came out in 2011 Mm -hmm. uh, and we assume we can assume that vera deets is supposed to be uh, an adult teenager at the time of the book came out that would have that would make her uh probably born in 93 she would probably be three years younger than me Okay. And and so her father had her when he was probably eighteen or nineteen, right? He uh, he got his. I think he was. I think he was eighteen. Yeah. Right. So he got his girlfriend. So he would have been uh, if he was eighteen in nineteen ninety three. He'd be thirty five now, right? Because he's he's with thirty five, thirty six. Is that right? He would be thirty. I'm. That can't be right. Yeah, 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 no, it is because because he's her age. Well, no. You, oh, right. You mean he would be thirty five in 
in the book. Uh, 2011, right? Not in sure, 2021. Sorry. That would be right. Right. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, I know. I was just trying to figure out what year he would have been born because I so her, think her, da- her, her dad is essentially three years younger than I am. He's about he'd be about 48 now, right? So about 70, 72, 73. Right. So, so what I found confusing was that. There, there's two layers to which it's confusing. One, I didn't feel like the teenagers in the story, they, they felt like they must have been teenagers of an older generation because what do they go do? They go out and they get drunk in, in alleyways and places, and that that's fine. I, teenagers will do that till the end of time. But like at no point in, in any of this do they pull out a cell phone, do they... Uh, nobody is ever playing a video game i i don't mean to sound like a grandma but (laughs) as as a person who would have been around vera's age like it seems absurd that i don't know none of these kids are are on social media whatsoever there's just no sense of that which you know it's not that it's inherently bad but it makes me feel like maybe this author isn't entirely in touch with this generation um and then it, but it gets even more confusing because we learn sort of Vera's dad's biography, and he is an alcoholic by the age, by the time he's like twelve, and he's describing that like he would get someone to buy him beer that he would somehow sneak into a movie theater and sit through a movie theater all day long getting drunk, yep. and 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 while I'm reading this, I'm like, is the year 1940? Like what? <laughs> what version of america can this happen to like he and he talks about getting picked up by a truancy officer so clearly you know it didn't work all the time but it worked enough well i can i can tell you that that uh for someone my age that that's utterly realistic but he would have been 10 in like 1985 if my math is correct he would would have been 12 and 85 12 12 and 85 or so yeah i mean i used to be able to sit in a movie theater all day long i wasn't getting drunk but you know happenstance but right they didn't have ushers that came and kicked you out well you could dodge them i mean you know there was no assigned seating uh i guess if you went to the bathroom yeah fair enough you left went to the bathroom went back what they didn't used to have was people um like i think now the movie theaters are are onto this a little bit so they have uh closed circuit tv they can review they um they have ushers outside the theaters checking tickets and stuff when things look a little little hokey and, but um, al- but also, how does a kid sneak in a significant amount of beer into a movie theater? In well, we used to sneak. We, we used to sneak two liter pops in to to movie theater, and you know, like all the candy we had. So yeah, not, not a problem. Were you wearing parachute pants? Like what? How? Well, parachute pants are tight, Willow. So you can't you can't <laughs> put a two liter pop in parachute pants. But uh, as one of the uh, teenagers of my era who used to wear a overcoat everywhere i can tell you that all you all you had to do was really find something to hang stuff from in your overcoat and it, you just walked in and nobody ever looked at you twice but uh, also so so that was a detail that bothered me but also tonally i think they just talk and act like characters from another generation well i think the cell phone thing is very interesting and and, and i think what's interesting is there's no payphones in this either there's not a lot of phone conversation and there's not a lot of email or anything there's not a lot of computers it just doesn't it doesn't play into it like you could have the stoners playing video games on their phones but what would it really add it would probably lock it in time a little bit more um but but i i think i think it functions probably arguably better without it because i think when those really really timely things anchor anchor a story like this in a place 
um, you know, it, it, it makes it less accessible to people kind of before and after. I think there was a decision made here probably just to focus on the story and to, to lose those trappings. Like, you don't really know what kind of car exactly it is. I think it's mentioned once or twice, but there's not really heavy descriptions of kind of fashions or um, music or anything timely, right? I mean, it, it, I think it makes it timeless. No, it, it I, I, for- I appreciate not wanting to mention a specific band name or something, but I I feel as if this is a kind of a line in the sand that every YA novel that is meant to be said in the real world from this point onward, like you almost have to have some tech stuff, unless your character is, you know, lives in a desert in the middle of nowhere or something where cell phones just wouldn't help them because I like, we're never going to not have cell phones again. Right, right, right. I mean, it's, it's interesting that it doesn't have cell phones Um, and, and cell phones, I mean, it, it may it may indicate that it was written like back in the '90s or an early draft or something was written a while back. Well, they mentioned know, because she she has a phone specifically for pizza delivery, um, right? So she has a work phone essentially. I I'm not saying that the story should be about cell phones. I'm saying that there's a weird disconnect. Like this made me feel as if A. S. King must be older than both Vera and her father, and also. I, I will i believe your attestment to you know yes you could you could go hang out in a movie theater and get drunk all day as a 12 year old um but th- there's also a certain sense of mannerisms and descriptions of things mm-hmm. that really make this book feel like everyone in it is a lot older than they're supposed to be well i, I think that's interesting as king is actually I, I looked it up to as king is my age okay and so and so maybe this resonates with me like really well because it's recognizable to me in some way like like nobody like when vera's out all night her dad's not calling her right he doesn't have a way to get a hold of her and so that allows certain things to happen in the plot whereas like in if it was if it was a novel happening now he might be able to see exactly where she is he might be able to get a hold of her he might be totally panicked when she doesn't answer her phone you know what i mean whereas here. Well, it's also confusing to me because it sounds like they don't live in a very big town. So why wasn't why wouldn't he just be out driving looking for her? Like, mm. wouldn't if, if am I misrepresenting what the scope of this story looks like? Do they live in a larger city than I thought? Like, it sounds like it's pretty small. You, she wouldn't be able to get far one way or another. No, I think it's I think it's fairly tiny. Yeah, I mean, and and that's uh, that's an interesting question. I don't think he's particularly worried about her all the time i think he's given her a lot of freedom i mean she's 18 she's sure. out driving she, she's delivering pizza which is a crazy job for an 18 year old to have in my mind you know i, I can't really? think of anything i'd well I, I just i wouldn't want my daughter to do that right now you know it would make me very nervous like all the driving all the starting and stopping just being in a rush in a residential neighborhood um and and then going to kind of strangers doors and and facing everything that i know i mean i live in an area near the university and i there's a lot of like weird parties happening and you know i mean i'm not i'm not worried about assaults terribly but i know that these people out delivering pizzas have a bunch of cash they always have you know i it's not really what i want for her as a job so fair enough i i also wonder if this book appeals to you specifically because of your your fatherdom your oh i think so no no i I think this is a great book for dads to read because the dad is uh he's just a little messed up you know and he's he's like i said he's doing his best he's an accountant now um like like there's one point which kind of broke my heart where he doesn't know what to do because he's found out she's drinking and uh she comes home and he puts her on the phone with her mom who she hasn't talked to in what six years seven years yeah something like that Uh, and, and and that's the only time her mom appears in the story and it's 
it's pretty heartbreaking because her mom left and is remarried and just sends her a card on her birthday with some cash in it. And um, she has to talk to her mom, which I love that scene so much. Uh, but it's it's kind of it's kind of brutal, and it, it, it's it's not brutal for the conversation with the mom, but to me, it's brutal that the dad was so messed up by finding out that she was drinking that he didn't know what to do but have her call her mom and talk to her. Like, oh, it's, it, it was so painful, so painful. And I also say I, I will also say that like uh, as the child of an alcoholic, I um, I kind of enjoy this because my father never really talked to me about it. He, he was never like, don't do this, you know. He just but then again, he was still drinking, you know. Right. And so. <laughs> Like, like he was active all the way until he died and and so he never had anything you know to say about it so, so to see a dad kind of a character struggling with that and struggling to kind of be paranoid and this is this is my struggle now is like you know i need to make my kid paranoid but how paranoid and I, you know i drink a little bit like it's fine uh but you have to make sure you can drink a little bit and if you have a problem you, you shouldn't drink at all you know it's, it's a very strange message to send so sure yeah i don't know yeah, I guess I am a dad now. This is crazy. Okay. <laughs> well, you've been a dad for a while now. I hope you're not just now realizing. No, no, no. But but I mean, I mean, like like this is one of those things that I always have a have a weird time with, which is, I I mean, I I'm not going to pretend that I think um, teens would love this book. Like I hope teens love this book. But I can tell you that I love this book. I love this book so much. I will tell teens about it. I'll tell other people about it. I'll find it on the shelf at a library, if I'm working there or just wandering around, and I'll recommend it to people. Um, uh huh. But but it's kind of it's, it's that kind of thing where do teens love this or do adults hope that teens love it or do adults think that teens are going to love it? Do you know what I mean? I think that's sort of a universal problem with YA is because there is almost no YA book that is actually written by a young person for a young person, right? Right. You know, with the exception of uh, Aragon, if we count that or something, it's the only one I can name. It's like a 15-year-old wrote at and it and it reads like it. I mean, there's a few more, but yeah, I mean, like, but then again, it's hard to, it's hard to speak to what you're going through as a teen while you're a teen, right? You know what I mean? Like, like all the books I can think of that are written by teens are not, they're not realistic books. They're like fantasy or horror. Sure. So, yeah, I don't know. Did, Did you, did you enjoy this book? I'll say that I enjoyed this more than most of the books we've read for this podcast. Um, like as a whole it's fine i think it is a fine book i i just liked the character of vera enough to stick it out i you know i don't think she's a great character i think she's fine like i'm kind of was that was that your cat it was my cat oh my god your cat sounded like just the world's smallest little mewing angel he he, uh, he he just reached up and stretched by grabbing onto my back and sinking his claws into my back. So if you didn't hear me <laughs> scream, that was fine. Oh, maybe that maybe that's what I heard was this the tiniest little peep come out of you. I <laughs> know um, that was clearly him. <laughs> it was adorable though. Um, so it, I'm a little bit bothered that everyone is constantly talking about how smart Vera is, but it feels like this is an example of being shown and not or telling and not showing that uh you know one of her examples that she talks about is like i'm the only kid in school who read lord of the flies twice and some people haven't even read it the first time and i'm like why did you read lord of the flies twice (laughs) that 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 just came to is confusing to me yeah yeah i've i've read lord of the flies i've never needed to read it a second time you know maybe if she just really liked it but based on what she said she didn't seem to it wasn't like a religious experience where she didn't love the book so she just somehow wound up reading it twice um anyway 
Well, I, I think I, I think what, what I like about her is she's not she, she she's she's clearly smart, but she's not like a top student. It's not it doesn't have that kind of weird thing that a YA novel has, like that tells you like this is what's special about this person right up front. Right. You know, she is like, a very normal character. She really is, and she's dealing with heartache because she loved her her best friend Charlie, and they he dumped her, and then he died, and she's got this giant hole in her heart and that's that's kind of the only thing that makes her special in a certain sense in the book i mean there's other things obviously because she's not seeing herself for who she is but but i just i i I, like i loved i love the fact that i was rooting for her but i couldn't have told you exactly why i was rooting for her at any point does that make sense well it's got a pretty standard sort of underdog setup right she she's she's not doing well in any facet of her life you know, school is hard, work is hard, or family life is hard, and on top of it all, there's this weird relationship with uh, the recently deceased, and you know, so she's getting at it from all sides. I I appreciate that, and maybe that's the only thing that I responded to going on was well, okay. And, and, and she wants she wants she wants to stay under the radar. She wants to stay under the radar. She doesn't want anybody to find out her mom used to be a, a stripper in town. So it must be a really small town. Well, right? that's that's another thing that makes this feel kind of alien to me was that detail. They're constantly attacking our protagonist for having a runaway stripper as a mother, and maybe it's because of the life that I grew up leading. But I don't think anyone would have would have cared at my high school like well <laughs> well I, I i think it's two things one i don't think anyone would have would have ever known because i went to a high right. school that had you know over a thousand students in it and if you if you wanted to be anonymous it was actually pretty easy to be anonymous um but secondly like if that information got out like who who cares i'd I, I understand that there could be a situation in which, oh yes, this is a, a, an incredible shame that I'll never outlive. But I don't know. It seemed very easy for, for someone. I, I went through school. I was bullied. I I managed to survive bullying. Um, well, well, but but I think I think I could accept it very easily. It all felt very organic, and and I, I love the characterization of her. And nothing felt nothing felt false or manipulative. And I liked it so much that I, I got to tell you, I'm going to read more A.S. King books. Like, I, I just want to read everything A.S. King has ever written at this point. Right. It takes me so I mean, damn long to read a book that I, I you know, I, I may not quite make it before I die. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> but we'll see. Do you, you think it takes you longer to read? I think it takes me way longer to read than, than, than you. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, you can listen to books. I can't listen to books. Yeah. It, okay. It's so weird. My mind drifts when I'm, when I'm listening to an audiobook. So I'll uh, I'll say please please ignore Vierdeets had a pretty good uh, audio production. Uh, I appreciated that there were multiple actors. There was a cast for the the father and the pagoda and uh, Charlie. That was nice. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I like that part. Oh, I like it. Well, this is this is an overwhelmingly positive <laughs> discussion of a book. I was worried you were gonna gonna uh, have a negative reaction to. So I'm I'm very happy right now. I, I mean I don't love it. Would I I don't think I would recommend it for anyone except if I, 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 like I don't I, I know you're overflowing with positivity about it. Like to me to me it's a it's a C I guess it, even that feels oh high. Oh my though. god! Oh my god! No, like solid A, would, solid A, if not A plus. Like I just this book is so good. 
Well, it also falls into some YA pitfalls that I don't particularly enjoy. Like, it does, it does fine with them, but at the same time, it almost feels like this was assembled by, uh, like, filling out a checklist of, all right, so what's what's going on in your YA novel? It's like, well... Uh, no, you know. no, no, no. Could not, could not disagree more. I've, I've read some of those books, or I tried to read them, and um, th- this is that thing that, like, I, I think I think you don't quite accept, because I don't talk about it, but I put so many books down. I, I put so many down that I just don't finish. Uh, <laughs> where I'm like, I can't believe... I've heard so many good things about this, and I can't believe how bad this book is. Like, Well, that's I, my... Sure, but that's, I have that problem all the time. I had that problem at the beginning of the episode, that here's a book that is hype, that is beloved by many, including God King Stephen King. Well, I'm terrified. I'm terrified for when we hit a book that I that we start talking about a book that I feel like that about. I mean, I'll be honest about it at that point. But I'm so glad we haven't hit one yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I think I would have finished. I would have finished uh, the other book, but I wonder what I would have thought of it now. And now I have to get far enough away from uh, you telling me about it to maybe consider reading it, or maybe I'll read another book by by uh, Paul Tremblay and see see what they're about. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I don't. Uh, for me personally, I don't know that A.S. King did anything in here that I didn't see when I was 13 reading like a Carl Hyacin book. I, I, it feels like there were, I, I've, I can't remember all of the YA books I read because they all blur together in this sort of generic stew of what YA books are when they, when they aren't about spaceships and Hunger Games. <laughs> You know, I, I in a weird way, I, I feel kind of angry that I missed out on the point where YA books also got to be like kind of cool. Not that I don't think I would enjoy any of those books now, but if I if they'd come out when I was young, then maybe I could have had a little bite of that. Um, but when I was a kid, they were all just like the same generic thing of like, oh, my parents are getting a divorce. Like it was all meant to be relatable to children going through problems. And I get you that. Were, you were a teen in the golden, in like the beginning of the golden age of YA. I mean, assuming we're still in the golden age of YA. Well, I don't know. What would you consider the start of the golden age? Like early 2000s? Well, uh, yeah, but give me an example. What defined the like the existence of Twilight? Like, what's the not that that's good. What what are you holding up here? For, is 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 it defined by any one book well, or I, any? I, I I I think YA as a category kind of emerged in the like. I mean, there were arguably YA books around, but then it kind of emerged uh, in the late '90s. I would say like mid to late 90s and then it was solidly like a category you could walk into a bookstore and find in the 2000s yeah which is what which is what no, i mean like I, l- like 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 before that you were really stuck trying to like, like it was kind of like the the girl in the milk carton which is a fine book but you know is not um it, it it's not I don't know, it, it, it is ya but it was almost like they didn't know what to do with it back then there were a couple of imprints that were selling books aimed at teens like there was a, a book about a vampire and a teenager. Uh, this was pre. What was the book you just mentioned? Twilight. Yeah. It was called like it was called like Silver Kiss or something like that. I think it was Annette Curtis Krauss. I'm probably wrong. I'm I'm the worst librarian in the world with um, <laughs> w- w- with authors. But it was like it was it, it was really enjoyable and good. But as a as a category, it wasn't very well developed yet. And I I don't know if that book is still in print or not. But I remember really enjoying it. But it was kind of this like it, it was it was uneasy because it wasn't written to be an after-school special it, it was just written to entertain teenagers right to, to be something they would be interested in and 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 they had they had a sense of like being a little bit more raw and a little bit less defined and and maybe that helped maybe that was like a, a better era for some books and for some for some 
teen readers, but like when when I became a teen librarian in the early 2000s, there was a lot of books that started coming out that were clearly not for kids, not for like older grade school kids, and they were not adult books. And then we had we had YA sections in the libraries, and the the Barnes and Noble would have a YA section, you know, and Borders Books was still open, it had a YA section, and you know nobody had thought to put uh, comics there yet because YA graphic novels hadn't it really emerged as a category. That happened more in the 2010s, I think. Yeah. Um, but like even the like I think this was a this book was a, a Prince um, honor book, and the Prince Award is for uh, YA literature with literary merit, and it's given by the American Library Association. And that award, I think this was like maybe the second year, so maybe 2010. You know, and, and the library, the libraries always run, I don't know, five, ten years kind of behind what's happening. And so, you know, we have to we have to talk about it and figure out what it is and define it and how it's going to work. And they started giving that award out, and um, that's always an interesting award, but it helps define the category as well. I think I think there's maybe one of two things happening, which is that so by the time I was say fifteen, I was not reading YA, uh, like like I was reading uh, uh, Samuel R. Delaney at age fifteen and James Joyce because I was trying to prove to the world that I was smart. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not at, uh, recommending that anyone read either of those authors. Um, oh, I, I, I got the title and the author right. It was The Silver Kiss by Annette Curtis Klaus. I'm so well, excited. Congratulations. But any, but like <laughs> I, I never saw a YA book by that point and thought this is a thing that I ought to be reading. I, I, sh-, you know, wasn't yeah. into it. I, I, which isn't to say that I never read a YA book after that point. I, I have, and sometimes I enjoy them. Um, but when I, when I was coming up. You, you hit it on the head with the um, after school special almost every YA book I read when I was young really felt like an after school special no matter what the no matter what they tried to do with it right 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 and and, and kids saw through that and it, mm-hmm. but but like but like I think I think the bad thing is, is that like adults still bought those books for kids right right and so they sold and so there was still a market for them so it took a while for everybody to see that the other market was like the books the teens would buy for themselves, you know, or that they wanted to read or that they were handing around for themselves. And I think that's kind of where we are now. At least I hope so. I don't know. Right. I don't. Well, it, it, and, you know, so it's interesting that y- you really love this book. Please ignore Vera Dietz. And the author is of the same age as you. And clearly there's some parallels. I, I felt like you you didn't live this book specifically, but it clearly speaks to your experience. Um that's in true. a way that I I can't say like I can say that I have met characters fr- who in real I've met people in real life who resemble characters from this book you know that, that it's not that they aren't realistic but also I don't I don't particularly enjoy reading for realistic portrayals of humans like you you, you <laughs> I was t- talking to my roommate about this uh, this week it's like I don't like character study in general it's I I appreciate that it's a thing that yes we can spend a lot of time diving into who somebody is what makes them tick mm-hmm. but that's that's not enough for me because you could you can write the most accurate most in-depth you know examination into the soul of uh someone who works at a gas station and you know on the weekends uh makes origami cranes i don't know right 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 but <laughs> unless you do anything with that it's it's not enough for me that that character study has is better be 
like really out there and fascinating for me to care. Well, and and for me, like I picked up a book last week uh, that I thought was a biography, but it's fiction, very poetic. Um, it's it's kind of um, from a from a teen point of view or a young adult point of view, and it's it's almost it's almost a young person talking to an adult in their lives is the way it's structured, and and the writing was so good. And as I hit the problems in the young person's life, I was like, oh, I don't really want to read this. Like I've probably already gotten enough out of it, right? Was was my sense of it was like, well, I could recommend this to somebody now based on what I know, and I and I don't have a desire to finish this book personally. Do you know what I mean? Okay, I'm so, not and, sure and so I do know what you mean. Well, well, well. So, so as a librarian, I wanna I wanna keep abreast of things that appeal to me so that I can recommend to people if if they talk to me about books. Right. And I, I I read this book enough to go, oh, like this seems like a great book. Like this book is worthy of the praise that's been heaped on it. But this is not a book that appeals to me. Like I'm. I'm yeah. never going to get more out of this book than I got out of the opening chapters. And so I'm going to stop reading this book now because the emotional energy and the time that it would take me to finish this book, it's just not going to pay off anything for me. Do you know what I mean? But this book, but but this one, like Please Ignore Vera Deeds, kept pulling me in further and further and further. And, uh, I'll, you know, I mean, maybe it is my age. I don't know. But uh, but I just, I just love the character. I love the way this was written. The short bits. So good. So good. Should we stop there? Yeah, I think that's that's probably good. Okay, uh, so again, uh, if you have any suggestions for us, we got a few last week, and we're going to follow one of them in our next podcast. But if you have suggestions for books Willow might like, please text us or text us. Please email us at uh, bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com that's again bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com Just a brief pitch. You can tell us who you are and if we can use your name. Uh, if we read the book that you've suggested, that would be fantastic. Or I can just email you back and ask you if we can use your name. That would also be fantastic. Um, and should we should we preview what we're going to talk about next week? Sure. We, we kinda... uh, the, the, our next week we are going to well, not week. These are coming out a month apart. Well, next next uh, next episode. Right. The next episode, uh, we will be talking about the first two novellas in the Murderbot Diaries series by Martha Wells. Yes. Very exciting love those books all right we will i will uh well we'll we'll see you at the next episode later